One second. I gotta pull my ear off. Ugh, oh, gross! <laughs> Pants and the ear. Hello, and welcome to the John's Cast, the number one podcast about John's. I'm Zachary. I'm Benjamin, and this is our special anonymous guest who we are going to refer to as Joseph. Yeah, that's right. And uh, if you didn't notice from the terrible sound quality, uh, we're recording from an undisclosed location in a uh, perhaps underground, perhaps overground, perhaps totally hypothetical bunker today. Well, why don't we just jump in here with with everybody's third favorite segment, John's News. Uh, Today's John's News comes to us from a website that I just looked up. It comes from denimandjeans.com. The headline is Faustine Steinmetz Collaborates with Diesel. And uh, there's some pictures of Jeans, which I'll ask Ben to describe in a second. Uh, and, and one more time, just to uh, just to talk about the rules of our news segment. We follow the, uh, the leadership of our government, and we do not read the articles. We only read the we read the headlines, and we look at the pictures. That way, the fake news can't get in. Doesn't seep in, not even a little. Also, we look at the price tags in case we want to buy anything. Yep, and we do. Is that lady just, like, naked in there? <laughs> that lady's, like, naked, dude. <laughs> well, <laughs> why don't I go ahead and describe this naked lady in John? Uh, um, so, Diesel is a ba- brand you've probably heard of. Uh, they sell really expensive pants uh, that have, like, sort of gaudy uh, stitching and, and sort of, like, pre-beaten fades. But they're usually pretty nice cuts. Um, and, uh, Faustine Steinmetz, I assume, is Dr. Faust's, like, ex-wife? <laughs> oh, Mrs. Faustian. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, okay. Um, and, uh, and, uh, I assume from, from other D- diesel, like, clothing I've seen, which, uh, I don't know if it was just what I was looking at, or, uh, what they normally make was was menswear. This does not appear to be the case um, for these, but uh, this does appear to be denim, and that's a good start compared to some of our recent segments, but it also has much in common uh, with what we can only now call, I think, an up-and-coming trend in really ugly pants. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is the third in our series of pants I with... Think- Giant, is this the fourth? Oh, possibly the fourth in our series of pants with giant holes missing and then something else they're kind of covering it up that's transparent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Amazing translucent mesh. Mm. That's, that's so, so, uh, so, uh, our anonymous informant who we're referring to is Joseph, um, He's our resident black market John's expert, and I think he just described this as an amazing translucent mesh. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it's definitely a step up over uh, over top shops like just plastic. <laughs> the all clear pants that uh-huh. are not jeans in any way and have no <laughs> denim on them. Uh-huh. Step, yeah, no, this. Yeah. This has some denim, I would say. Yeah. It's at least ten percent denim. It really varies per piece. Some of these are like mostly denim. Well, some of these have a good deal of oh, denim. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Some of these I'm pretty sure you will get arrested if you just wear them outside. <laughs> but not as quickly as if you were wearing the all clear plastic pants that pretend to be jeans. <laughs> so so uh I think we should we should take a poll, but why not start with our uh, resident expert as the anonymous individual who we're referring to as Joseph. Um would you say these are Johns? 
Um, those, yes, I, I definitely think those are Johns with the uh, terrible, um, like, rips in the side replaced with this uh, translucent mesh. Um, some of the later pictures, however, uh, I, I don't think those count. Um, you you mean the ones that look sort of like you, like you barely survived a bomb blast? <laughs> More like an invisible dress and, and not much like John's, I'm going to say. Because, like I I don't think you're actually allowed to wear this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's a there's a dress, it's or maybe it's just sort of one. like a large shirt. Well, <laughs> it's, it's entitled F-D-02 Dress A. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess it's a dress... It's a dress A, Ben. Uh, it's a dress A, and I don't know how traditional this is in a dress A. Yeah. But it it appears to have like at least one nipple and the entirety of your underwear, if you have any on, in both front and back exposed. Um, it's not keeping you warm. It, it's, it's it's not even keeping you opaque. <laughs> um, Sweet boots, though. Those things are awesome. Oh yeah, no, yeah. these are yeah. some. These are some. Pretty sick boots here. Yeah, yeah. So, would you describe this as a John's jacket or a John's dress A? <laughs> yeah, a John's dress A. Um, I don't know. That that seems more like a like a tent material that's just been turned into like a poncho. Because it looks like that is. Denim, like you can see it's yeah, frayed it's edges. Got, yeah, it's even got seams, but like that's the only part that's <laughs> that's well, the, even the, the denim boob left. covering. Pockets. Oh, oh, this one. Yeah, no, this one. It's more, yeah, it's more like a denim bra, but with <laughs> with buttons all the way down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, um, well, okay. Um, well, uh, so Zach, uh, would you describe the ones that are pants? As as being John's, um, you know these are larger windows than we're we're used to having in our weird windowed pants that seem to be all the rage this year. You know what I like about this is if you need like a figure skater costume, you can't, <laughs> you can't get away with just wearing John's. But I think this is going to be eccentric <laughs> enough. That, that is a, yeah. I was say that's a great. I, I didn't even think of that. Bridge bonus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think these are these are figure skating Johns at best, hmm. and uh, and also on the Grand Theft Auto scale, four stars uh, instead of five <laughs> stars. You'll so the the police will be after you, but not the army. I think. So yeah, I was to say like they have the helicopter, but not the tank. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> The cut on these is kind of weird, though. Yeah. So uh, an interesting thing about these is they seem to be, like, melted out with acid or something, mm. as opposed to um, having, like, mm. just square slots cut out uh, and replaced with plastic. Like, I would definitely say these are a lot nicer than our other horrible, <laughs> weird, clear pants. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of surprised at how much better it looks. Like, in concept, it's equally stupid as, like, the rectangular <laughs> windows, but it, it kind of is an improvement. <laughs> I, I think it's a definite improvement. I still think the jeans in particular is a disaster. Uh, not the naked dressé, yeah. but the earlier dressé. Like, I actually think this one looks really nice. good. Like, I think this one looks really cool. You aren't naked. Um... Yeah, that's good. And it's it goes good with cool boots. The naked dress A is a is I don't know maybe that's for like the the pornographic uh, figure skating Olympics, <laughs> <laughs> which I, I uh, hear is getting into the Summer Olympics in two thousand. <laughs> <laughs> Is it is it mud skating? Is it, is it ice skating or jello skating? Yeah, it's it's big in Scandinavia. They've been pushing for it for a long time. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. So I uh, I think that's a a thing that we looked at. So turns out it turns out leave it to the professionals. Uh, if you're going to make horrible, weird, clear, flat jeans, uh, like is all the rage this season, um, <laughs> at least so far as 
horrible news articles lead us to believe. <laughs> um, go with Diesel. They apparently do it better. And uh, uh, b- bring bring a hefty pocketbook because these range from two hundred twenty eight dollars to nine hundred and ninety eight dollars, which is enough money to buy way jeans that have all the denim on them. Um, <laughs> but uh, once again. Zach did find a great use case for these. Yep. Uh, figure skate. Right, cool. Well, so I have a question for our alleged guest, Joseph. Uh, would you <laughs> <laughs> would you tell us uh, what kind of Johns you're wearing right now, or or is that classified? I suppose that I could tell you. It's, it's not that big of a deal. These uh, these Johns have seen about ten years of service. Mm-hmm. Vintage. They're 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 pretty vintage. Um, they're nearly white, having been washed too many times. Um, Probably four or five it, times. It's a real a real crime against uh, John kind. <laughs> okay. Um, but but they were originally some pretty cheap uh, Levi's that have just never died. Well, they're, 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 you know, vintage Levi's from probably like the mid 50s or something when they built them a lot tougher. Oh, really? Uh, I, I don't know about that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if anybody would know, it's probably, it's probably our, uh, our guest who we're referring to as Joseph, so. Yeah, definitely not vintage from the 50s. Um, these are more like vintage from the uh, late 90s. Um, 1890s, right? <laughs> no, 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 1990s. Oh, really? Yeah. It's an yeah. oft-overlooked era of Johns. They've just been very, very loved. Well, that's that's kind of sweet. It's important to love your Johns. Wait, is it, or is that bad for them? Does I, lo- oh, good. <laughs> I mean, it's important to love them. You just don't want to wash the love out. Okay. You want gotcha. to piss the love in. <laughs> you know that's a... <laughs> so so you can have both love and sick fades at the same time is what you can saying. okay that's good these are maybe the most faded pair of johns i've ever seen um <laughs> wow that's impressive and i've seen a few fades i'll tell you <laughs> but right. you know life in the underground uh, it has a way of being hard on Johns. Yeah, and, but but you gotta treat your Johns well. You're you're never sure when you'll get another pair. You know, I mean, Johns just aren't everywhere down here. So, I mean, it could be up here. Yeah, right. I, 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 it's undisclosed, but it, it, wherever, some places, you know, count your John blessings because you know, in some places, you might have to murder a man. You might have to wear Johns from the 90s. You might have to do both. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, so speaking of things from the 90s that people keep wearing over and over again, uh, <laughs> our, uh, our game today is the uh, Nintendo Classic Super Metroid, which is a game from the 90s. It is. Yeah. Indeed. I want to 94, say, I believe. Oh, 94. Good year. Good year. Yeah, so that's a relatively late release for the Super NES, isn't it? Like, um, I'm not sure. The Super Nintendo was actually like a weirdly short life cycle by like modern standards. Um, like the Super Nintendo was pretty new when I was in elementary school, and by the time like I was like in the later years of elementary school the N64 was well out. I see. Um, like, they didn't they didn't do the, like, decade-long console generations back then. That's true. You know, my problem is I've been listening to Retronauts, and, like, they just know everything about every video game, and they fire off facts and names, and then I think, <laughs> I should be able to do that, but I can't. I don't know anything. <laughs> well, that's not what this podcast is about. This yeah. podcast is about Johns. <laughs> and I'm I'm practically an expert on Johns, but not as much as our uh, our secret guest, Joseph. It'd be weird if we were both equally as knowledgeable. 
or if you turned out to be the same person. Um, but you would you would have to download the episode a whole lot of times to get lucky enough to get one of the ARG downloads and uh, maybe find out a clue about that. Um, but really, who can say in this iteration of it? Uh, you know, that's download a, again. That's a good person, <laughs> or that's a good point. I don't know if I've ever seen Joseph and myself in the same room at the same time, or even in the same mirror. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Well, all right, guys. So, uh, so what do you think of Super Metroid? Is it a good game? Would play? I I'm gonna go out on a limb here, and I'm gonna say Super Metroid is in fact a good game. Okay. And it was one of the first Super Nintendo games I owned, and I played it a lot. I think that Super Metroid is probably one of my favorites for sure. Um, I did not play it as young as been here, but uh, I did play it kind of in middle school. It was uh, a late perch for me. Okay. But I think that, uh, I think it holds up really well. I think it's definitely a good game. Then and now. Indeed, yes. (laughs) So you'd say it has trans-temporal quality. Yes, definitely. <laughs> it's uh, it really encapsulates the time ghost of our times. Is yes, yeah. that's that's one of my favorite ghosts. <laughs> the time ghost of our ghostly times. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was a Sega kid growing up, so I didn't uh, have Super Boom. Metroid. But in you had you had what like Vector Man, Vector Man, <laughs> one and two. Yeah, it's a it's a moderately good game, guys. If you if you have like a Sega Genesis sitting around and a copy of Vector Man, it wouldn't hurt you to play it for ten minutes. That's what I would say about Vector Man. Would you describe Vector Man as being better or worse than Comic Zone? <laughs> oh. uh, you know, I, I mean. It's not as cool, and it's not as 90s, so I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not convinced anyone has ever beaten the second level of Comic Zone. I'm not convinced that the demo kiosk version is not just the same version as the one you might have foolishly purchased for $50. No, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's impossible, but boy, that first that first level looks pretty cool. Um, <laughs> but, uh, Do we have an episode on Comic Zone? I think so. It was yeah. I, I have a ghost yeah. of a memory of this. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so refer back to John's cast episode two whenever I get around to editing it. Yeah, I think that's one of the lost secret episodes. <laughs> yeah. Keep downloading. It's it's hidden in the ARG. <laughs> um. Yeah. No promises. Uh, so, but in in high school, I uh, I had a bit of a ROM pirate phase, and then I played Super Metroid and really really enjoyed it until I got to the part where you were in a pit and you had to learn to wall jump, and I just <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't do it. So, so I have a funny stop. story about that pit. Yeah, do you? So when I was in probably like first or second grade or whenever I was playing this and, and first got it, um, which was not when it had first come out. I don't think it was a, it was a few years after that. Um, but it was when I first had it. Uh, I uh, fell into that pit and I was really excited about learning how to do this wall jump from mm-hmm. the Nintendo Power. In fact, I put myself in this pit on purpose <laughs> from the Nintendo Power. And... Uh, after about a week, um, I had to start a new save file um, <laughs> where I jump over the pit instead. Uh, and I'm not sure why, but I, I seriously spent, I don't know how many hours trying to wall jump out of that pit, and I would get like two or something and then just <laughs> crash back down. Uh, yeah, so I started all the way over that game because of the pit. Um, when I played it again as a as like a high schooler, um, I found it extremely easy to do that wall jump and could not comprehend why I was so bad at it when I was like eight. 
the uh, furry animals make it look so easy. <laughs> it's like really frustrating, like a duck hunt dog, like cackling at you kind of thing. Aren't they like emus or something like space? Emus? They're like little furry koala things. I mean, they're are the, aliens. Are the space emus the ones that teach you how to run fast? Run and super jump. Okay. This is the damn koala space koalas. <laughs> These goddamn space koalas. They're like totally tripping on eucalyptus, <laughs> space eucalyptus, yeah, and space eucalyptus. making it look easy. I know you can rescue them at the end of the game. I choose not to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, some species just deserve to be exterminated. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'll jump out of this. You sail off into the sky and it all blows up. Speaking of the wall jump, um, I don't know if this is something we would save for later on in the cast. We don't save it here. We spend it. Okay. So yeah. you can do some interesting like breaking of sequence with the wall jump using it earlier before you might realize that it's in the game. Like uh, fighting bosses without the appropriate power ups and such. So you you don't have to have you don't they don't have to teach you how to do it to be able to do it. Right. Yeah. No. It's it's one I of those that. it's I one thought... of those skills you just have, but like you might not know until you see them do it. I thought I thought it was like a power up you got by seeing them mm-hmm. do it. Um. <laughs> yeah, uh, like you can access, I know for sure, the crate boss, mm-hmm. uh, the big green one shoots the, the platforms. <laughs> you may, you may, uh, know him from his most popular appearance in I Want to Be the Guy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> as Blanca Zangief crate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, you can access that boss without having the, uh, the big jump. And it makes getting to the platforms to fight Kraid really hard. So, uh, there is that. But I think it's neat that they, like, included those sort of, um, those sort of breaks in the final game. Do you think it was an accident that you just didn't realize? Or do you think it was intentional? I, I think it was intentional. Like, it, it, you could pretty obviously make it, like, with a little bit of wall jump dexterity. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, it's doing nothing but making it really hard for the player. Like, uh. And really fast for your speed run. I, I'm, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I haven't actually watched any Super Metroid speed runs, but I know they're extremely popular. Um, for, like, a game from 1994. So, I know in, like, one of the original sort of speedrunning things was Power Fest 94. They had, like, basically, they didn't call them that, but, like, official speedruns as contests there. And Super Metroid was one of the games mm-hmm. they did them with, actually, at Power Fest 94, which I remember as being, like, one of the happiest moments of my entire life when I attended in 94 uh, as, a, as a young child. A very, I, I don't like, the, I remember it so, like, it made such a huge, was it maybe 95 or 96? Like, that would have been really young in 94, but it made such a huge impression on me. Like, maybe it was. They definitely had Super Metroid, like, as one of the games they were, like, contest playing there. Yeah. Huh. Well, I mean, you got a chance to play it loud, and that's pretty <laughs> exciting for any kid. Uh, it let me tell you, we played it so loud. <laughs> That's super interesting. I had no idea that anything like that even existed. Yeah, they um, they even had like a special cart, which I think are maybe even expensive now. Um, that had like timed versions of like Super Mario Brothers and I think a few other games where they had they were like the competition edition. I think was maybe what they were called. Huh. That had like the timer going in the corner of the screen, and I think. It was like a 20 minute max or something. I don't remember. I, like, I was too little to like participate in the competition, but I, I remember seeing people do it there. Um, and I think some of those competition carts still exist and may be quite collectible. That is super cool. Um, so the thing that I'm sure the retro knots. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure the retro knots know all about those those competition cards. <laughs> you know, having like I'm sure they preschool do. memories of, of yeah of Power Fest. Those characters. Um, so the thing that's really interesting uh, 
to me about Super Metroid. And, uh, and this is something that was illustrated recently. Like, there's this ROM hack of Super Metroid where it's precisely the game. You know, it's, uh, it's almost exactly the same, except everything is rotated 90 degrees clockwise. Oh, I heard somebody talk about this. Yeah, yeah. So, so like from the beginning, instead of being on the ground when you get out of your spaceship, you're on a big wall and you have to wall jump up and down wherever you're supposed to be. Oh, and, uh, it's Guala mode. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> yeah. it's fun because like Metroid has both like really tall rooms and really wide, skinny hallways, and the the rotated version has those too, but they're the opposite rooms. So, so it's a fun joke to begin with. But the amazing thing is that despite the fact that Metroid was not designed to do this by any means, it still works, right? Like it really says it's still it's still passable. Like you can finish the whole game that way. Yeah, like there's a few doors that need to be fiddled with, and like a, a few tiles that are changed around. But for the most part, it's really just rotated. That's and, crazy. Yeah, and uh, and you know it's really amazing like that the designers gave Samus this broad of a move set that yeah. that you can traverse a, a level like this and also that the levels are designed in such a way that you can still traverse them even if they're rotated 90 degrees. <laughs> and I think that that shows like a really interesting approach to game design like like a level of, I don't know, like trust of the player that you're you're willing to make them that powerful and you're willing to make the traversal that that interesting and you're willing to make the space that open and, uh, and I just think that's super cool. Yeah, for sure. I think one of the coolest uh, coolest features of Metroid, uh, Super Metroid like I was saying, was the player's ability to break out of the prescribed path um, because of that, yeah, like you were saying, because of that moveset that is more powerful than what you get in normal platformer, especially from the, especially by the end of the game, whenever you can basically fly. Yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of a proto... Um, Cynthia Knight, where that game also had extremely large areas, um, but I mean, you could and a really huge move set. Yeah, well. and also a really huge move set that again worked uh, upside down, and with a uh, a secondary move set character in uh, Rickard, uh, or whatever his name is. I mean, Ricker is a little boy that pretends to be a blacksmith. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> Belmont. I'm just going to call him Belmont. <laughs> Don't sully the uh, <laughs> Belmont name. Belmont the Belmont name. name has been sullied quite a few times at this point. Like, it's not quite as illustrious as a bloodline. It's got its ups and downs, but there's been a few Belmont generations that have left, I think, a good deal, perhaps, uh, to be desired. Uh, I, I have one more thing to, to add about this. Is like I totally agree with all that, um, but I think like something that really points this out to me is when I was a kid, I did not think of it as like having levels or like a path mm-hmm. at all. Like it, it felt so open. I sort of thought of it, I guess, as more like a, a sort of open world game, almost like Secret of Mana or something in that like, I was like, oh, we're just going to go goof around in like um, the weird red brick zone for a <laughs> while and lose a lot of HP. Uh <laughs> Or so, like, and I would feel like you could just go to back, you know, to some place and, or just go to a place. It didn't feel like very ordered to me, especially like the strange way they're connected and stuff. Um, and just like, I'll just go do stuff here. And then I'm like, oh, I found a new thing here and like found a new boss here or something to do. And I didn't like conceive of it as having any sort of path at, at all, which I mean, it certainly does. Um, and there's things you have to do, but it is actually just so open that, uh, and the levels are designed to so not look and feel like levels at all when you're in them. Even looking at maps of them, like, uh, that 
don't know. It's really good, I think. <laughs> Controversial yeah. opinion on the on the John's <laughs> cast here <laughs> that uh, Super Metroid is a good game. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting to think of it as sort of an open world game, but it's very different than say what a modern open world game means. Right? Yeah. Like, you don't have a mini map with different little quests that you have to do. Although that stuff kind mm-hmm. of exists, but it's just like there for you to find and there's a primary objective and there's a prescribed way to go through the game. You just don't have to, and it's it's kind of cool that way. Yeah, very often um, the I, I think that the open world parts are more of an illusion of choice given to the player, um, mm. but it it's so well done. It's making you feel like you made some some great discovery just just due to trying new things. And uh, I think that's that's the real magic of Super Metroid. Or even, like, accidentally yeah. doing new things, which, like, was really exciting to me as a kid. I remember, like, getting hit by an enemy and just, like, <laughs> following through something that I did not know was there mm-hmm. and, like, finding a secret room on accident because I just sort of, like, got knocked into it on something. And being like, ah, oh, that's really cool. Especially in the age before the Internet where you couldn't just... Uh get anybody's help with it. Uh, like if you a Let's Play, you know, uh, I think Ben has a pretty good story about that, actually. <laughs> well, I-, I can even present it after the break. <laughs> Come on, Zach, you gotta help. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> Mega Man, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the John's cast. Hello. I'm Benjamin. I'm Zachary still. And I am known as Joseph. Still. <laughs> still. Still reporting you from a nebulously located uh, location. Mm-hmm. Uh, even more nebulous than usual. Mm-hmm. Uh, with even could worse internet and sound quality. Yeah, it could be Anywhere but where we usually do it. Yeah. Unless I was lying about this whole thing. Um, <laughs> and uh yeah, man. So uh I think uh I think our 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 host here, Zach, he has a uh, new experimental segment for us, uh in which we engage in some serious media studies. So Zach, uh do you have anything to tell us about Heck Razor? Okay, so Heckraiser, or as most people call it, Razor, is a... You're going to have to bleep that out in post. (laughs) Sorry, Sorry, as most people call it, Bleep Razor, uh, is a movie from... I don't actually know the year. I don't know if it's an 80s or a 90s movie. I think it's 80s, and it's a a book, uh, a novella. By Clive Barker before then. Oh, okay. Uh, with, with a different title, something about a heart, hellbound heart. I think it's a really good novel. I read it one time. Oh, that's good. Uh, so anyway, the the premise of Heckraiser is that there is this uh, puzzle box, and when you solve it, a Cenobite comes out, which is sort of a demon angel thing, and probably kills you or whatever. It's kind of ambiguous, but it's really scary. Yeah, they got like a weird face, and they probably take you to heck. Yeah. And do like weird <laughs> heck sex things, things to you. Yeah, yeah heck yeah. sex. It's, it's, a, it's pretty explicit, uh, but you know, it's cool too. Yeah. But and you've thought about Heckraiser. You've been thinking about Heckraiser for twenty years now. But what you I, pro- I, I know I have <laughs> But what you probably haven't been thinking of is the stunning comparisons between Heckraiser and Yu Gi Oh. Now Which is 
Yeah. One of our friend Rick's favorite children's card games. <laughs> also mine. Uh, now, Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, 90s kids will remember is an anime about uh, kids buying a product. And it's about, mm-hmm. hey, kids, you should buy this product like all the cool people on this show are spending so all their like money on So it's like Japanese product. He-Man, but yeah. with like much lower cost and much uh, higher profit margins on the uh, designer side. Yeah, basically. Uh, but if you get deeper into it and you just like think of the premise of the show, it's kind of disturbing. So there's a little boy who's living with his grandfather and his grandfather gives him this ancient Egyptian artifact, which is a puzzle. And, <laughs> and, and when Yugi solves it in his free time, an ancient Egyptian pharaoh possesses him and plays games. Takes him down to heck? Yeah, he's, he's the king of games. Uh, but, but yeah, so that's, that's the comparison. And, they both and have, we all yeah. know, Demons love games. They do. Sensual games. Yeah, yeah. Is it are, is it kind of erotic? Uh, you know, kind of. Like, uh, yeah. Like in in the second season, Yugi's definitely wearing some leather. Oh. Yeah, he's uh, he's definitely got some head pins. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> head pins are the <laughs> the most sensual. I mean. <laughs> They are in heck. <laughs> uh, it's a. Yeah. I, I never thought of comparing those two before. Yeah. I always thought to myself, what does what does like a Clive Barker horror story inspired R-rated movie have to do with a children's show blatantly developed to sell children cards? Um, Is it more tr- than you imagined? Yeah. Way more. Is it turns out they're pretty much the same thing. And uh, and this has been Zachary's comparative literature segment. Yeah, we compared the shit out of that literature, and yeah. we didn't even use any. Yeah, boy, the overthinking at podcast does that for an hour. Now I have a whole <laughs> new respect for those guys. <laughs> <laughs> should we should we title this segment "Underthinking It"? Uh, yeah, that's pretty good. Five minutes, and we've analyzed it completely thoroughly. Yeah. <laughs> I like this. I think it's a good. It's a good title. It's a good premise. Underthinking it. Yeah. Uh, All right. So, uh, so now that we're done thinking, let's talk about video games. <laughs> and as we learned in the last episode, that is the opposite of fun. It's true. Uh, <laughs> All right. So, uh, Benjamin, you wanted to talk to us about environmental storytelling. Ah, that sounds boring. Instead, I'll talk to you about how what made me think Super Metroid was the coolest when I was a kid. Okay. And uh, it was definitely like how weird and creepy it is, um, despite basically having no dialogue uh, or story in any sort of like traditional sense. Like I would point out, just like the uh, starting screen, if you don't press start. He's like a broken, uh, and this is as I vaguely remember it from childhood. He's like a, it's like everything is super dark and weird, and it's like a a science lab lit only by the like screens and machinery there with a really creepy soundtrack. And you can like maybe hear some like, yeah. oh man, I'm getting creeped out right now. <laughs> and you can maybe hear like a little like or something in the background, and uh, there's a giant like. Containment tube in the middle, but it's broken, and you can see some like the bare outlines of some like mutilated scientist corpses on the ground, like sort of just just sort of quietly there. And I think that really sums up the feeling of like Super Metroid very much feels like you're alone in a very alien, weird, gross place, and uh, the sound design, like everybody loves the music because it's real good. But, like, I still remember the damn sound effects, like, the monsters make. And just, like, wandering around and hearing weird things, like the echo the doors have when they open and close and stuff. The echoes of the footsteps is oh. really haunting in some, some rooms. Thumping around in uh-huh. there. Like, it's so desolate feeling, and you're, like, 
it it really draws you into being like, yeah, Samus is like in a really goofed up situation, <laughs> and like it both make, which also makes it, it it is pretty horrifying, but it doesn't make you feel weak. I think it actually makes you feel very strong because like it makes the whole thing seem much more heroic. Like you're very very alone. You not have like somebody on a com link or something. It's like you know, Solid Snake is or Snake even in Metal Gear. He's like uh he's very alone, but one, there's lots of humans around that you're fighting and stuff, and, and two, he's talking to people on his radio, you know, like, all the time. He's not, like, just totally abandoned there, the way you are in, in Metroid, where you're, like, the only human being in the game, and even you're not very human-looking, because you're, like, totally suited up in armor, and just kind of trapped on this alien world, and it really feels like it. The lighting is super weird all the mm-hmm. time, especially like when you go in the dead big spaceship mm-hmm. and stuff. Like, yeah, it's it's cool. Yeah, the uh, the soundtrack is is really good, and it's also like I feel like the instruments are kind of a little bit off for the usual SNES <laughs> soundtrack. I, like it's all uh, it's all synthesizers. Uh, well, it's always all synthesizers, but they're not trying to be a different uh, a different instrument. Right? No, and they're they're really like the game and its advertisements at the time was basically pitched as a horror game. Like if you look at the old Nintendo Power ads and commercials and stuff, like it's about like are you brave enough to to like do it and things? Are you brave enough to play this loud? <laughs> <laughs> Its aesthetics are very uh, alien-esque. Alien being the, the movie. Yeah, the, the, the Ridley Scott um, film. Yeah. I, I mean, n- n- as to my knowledge, none of the like bosses are like based on the alien alien. Um, but like the the, the, the the Tozo statues or whatever. The main, like the guy who you keep seeing, I forget his name, uh, the dragon-like guy, Ridley. actually look, Ridley, like looks... Is A is named Ridley. <laughs> yeah, like looks a whole lot like um, he's more dragon s, but he even has like the same type more of like, like biomechanical s- thing, stabby tail yeah. and things. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I think he actually does look quite a bit like the uh, xenomorphs. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's all very Geigery, if that's how you mm-hmm. pronounce his name. It's it's actually pronounced Geiger. Okay, Geiger. I was close. Which I. I, I called him Geiger until like this year, and then someone <laughs> told me that that was very wrong. And then I watched a documentary about him, I think called Dark Stars, and uh, it's definitely Geiger. Or <laughs> everybody, including Geiger himself, is very wrong in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> he mispronounces his own name. It is a goofy name. <laughs> <laughs> Good point, I guess. <laughs> Well, cool. uh, so yeah. did 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 it did Super Metroid spook you? Uh, did it spook me? Uh, I don't know. I was like sixteen, very world weary. <laughs> you had already killed a man. Yeah, I, I was really into Talking Heads at the time, and I was like, you know, man, me and David Byrne, we're we're done with this place. I don't know. That was going to be funnier when it, you know, when it was in my head. Well, we can fix it in post. <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, as long as you edit out in post all the times we talk about fixing it in post, we can edit in instead stuff talking about how this is live. Um, <laughs> that would maybe be exciting and funny. But that joke about how we do something that's not funny and then we say we're going to fix it in post is itself the best joke. I don't want to take is. that out. Yeah. Are, are you sure it's the best joke? <laughs> best joke. The best one I have. <laughs> it's the only joke we have. Um, what, one thing going back to the, uh, the loneliness of, uh, the atmosphere in uh, Super Metroid, I mm-hmm. want to talk about. Um, in addition to not having any humans, the start of the game, uh, after the initial introduction has no enemies. Yeah, you get, um, there's like that one crawler on like the second or third, maybe third or fourth screen. Mm-hmm. And you don't, you don't like engage with like any, any enemies except for like weird 
untargetable like trilobites or whatever. And Cenobites. <laughs> so you know that there's there's living things, but it just it feels extra lonely even you don't have yeah. any enemies. <laughs> you just see you got your, your footsteps as your only friend and the music clomping around in spooky town. Yeah. I thought that was that was really slick. Um and I, I really liked that introduction moment a lot, because uh, it wasn't didn't feel like I was just going in guns blazing, blasting everything, because there wasn't much to blast. Yeah, it was it was not contrary or yeah. something, you know, where you just like or metal sluggy, where you just like jump in there and start shooting a dude. It made it feel more interesting once there was things there to shoot. It also really sets up for like that first uh, roll in the ball in mm-hmm. the in the hand like surprise. Yeah. To be really spooky and exciting. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. Uh, I'd say so. Any closing thoughts on Super Metroid, guys? Uh, I, th- I once again, I'm going to stick with the controversial opinion. I think Super Metroid is a real good game. <laughs> Very good, Joseph. But... I I don't know. Like, I think it holds up, but today you really want, you know. Frame per second, first person, 3D, graphics. 3D, yeah. mm-hmm. cloud blops. Like we we like ballistic weapons. I mean, the new cloud blops kind of sucks because it doesn't have enough. Is it all lasers? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that so sounds the, dumb. The space cloud blop. Lucky it's even 3D. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean it, it's definitely for some people. If, if you're willing to choke down some 2D, uh, I'd, I'd recommend it, but. Most so, of you don't have to bother. Yeah, I want to. I want to revise my previous review. I, I want to say uh, it's real good for 2D trash. <laughs> <laughs> and stay tuned for after the break for our numeric review, our, our much yeah. much critically acclaimed numeric review segment. It's a listener favorite. Yep. And on that note. <laughs> Oh, what is this elevator? Hello, and welcome back to the John's Cast. Uh, welcome back to our one of our top segments, the Ask the Audience segment, where we flip the usual uh, structure of the audience asking us on its side, as it were. We rotate it 90 degrees uh-huh. and wall jump all the way up to podcast originality. Uh, yeah. As you may recall, as you certainly recall, because you really liked it the last time we did this segment, uh, in our previous Ask the Audience segment, Benjamin asked, what is your favorite uh, favorite sauce from Taco Bell? And uh, infrequent listener and writer-inner Jerome Ellsworth uh, answered the call faithfully, as he generally does, and he said, I like my sauce like I like my me, bold and creamy, ghost emoji Jerry. So I don't do they do they have creamy sauces? They do. They have bold and creamy sauce. Is that new? I don't know. It's on the internet. Is it regional? <laughs> <laughs> if regional means delicious, then yes. <laughs> well, there we go. Jerome would know. I mean, he would never lie to the John's cast. Yeah. I hope. I also want to point out that the subject of this email was my favorite spice. I think he meant sauce, but... (laughs) (laughs) If his favorite spice was bold and creamy, that's maybe weirder. Yeah. Um, So anyway, uh, that was was last week's question. Now now for this week's question. Uh, Our guest, uh, who we're referring to as Joseph, uh, has a question for us this time. Mm -hmm. Or not for us, rather for everybody else. All right, listeners. I would like to know, please send in your uh, your answers. I would like to know, taco or burrito? Ooh, Ooh. good either or question. It's a good this one. can be for Taco Bell or a uh, another uh, store, but I prefer Taco Bell. 
so traditionally we answer these ourselves, don't we? Yeah, we sure do. Okay, uh, so I got a I got a ready answer here. Taco, right. boom, drop the mic. Okay. I uh, I grew up uh, with and next to the first Chipotle, so uh, so the right answer for me is always burrito, one hundred percent. I'm curious about the the taco answer. Why the taco? Oh. I mean, I'm a taco guy. Just ask Lance. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. All right. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, uh, Joseph, you're supposed question. to answer as well. Oh, um, you're also supposed to face towards the mic. <laughs> um, for me, uh, the most delightful is probably a, a double decker taco. So I get uh, kind of the tortilla and the crunchy shell. Oh, there you go. Very fancy. You got a real, real, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't even know what Lance would think about that one. Um, <laughs> but we can ask him when he's a guest on here sometime. Uh, so that sounds, that sounds great. Um, why don't you, the listener, uh, write in and tell us what you think? Uh, where should, where should they write in to us, Zach? They should write in to johnscast at gmail.com. That's J-A-W-N-Z-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. That's a great place to ride in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so now for everybody's favorite segment, unless you're real weird, which we still love you if you are, but, uh, reviews. Review. And, uh, yeah, you see how excited Joseph is? He's been dying to participate in reviews since <laughs> he's just been pounding episodes today. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, so my review for today is, uh, paper mache masks. Paper mache um, masks. Mm-hmm. Like creation of or wearing or favorite type. Uh, well, well, it's you do the numerical reviews of our normal categories. Of, gotcha. You know, graphics, gameplay, sound design, and replayability. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and overall score. Uh, okay. Okay. So uh, Zach, how would you uh, how would you review uh, paper mache masks? All right, uh, graphics, you know, depends on the masks, uh, but the, I don't know, the 3D ones, 10 out of 10, the 2D ones, mm. 1 out of 10, because they're 2D garbage. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if there is any 2D ones. I think they're all 3D. I oh. think that's part of what makes them paper mache. Oh, gotcha. Instead of just... Other, otherwise, you're just drawing... Yeah, otherwise, you're just drawing <laughs> a paper <laughs> and pasting it to your face. And that's a mess. That's not a mask. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I'll keep that in mind. Uh, sound design, 0 of 10, no sound. <laughs> uh, gameplay. You know what's real fun? Is, uh, is taking them and pulling them over somebody's eyes so they can't see. That's yeah. That's that's at least a seven out of ten joke. So so I'll go with seven out of ten. And uh, in replayability, uh, no, ten out of ten would dress up in fancy clothes again. I like it. All so, right. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, our our black market informant, uh, typically. Known as uh, also, should we should we put like some sort of voice modulation on him the whole time? Even like the weird deep throat voice. Just thought. Anyways, uh, yeah, Joseph in air quotes, um, out of quotes. Uh, how would you rate him? First category is graphics. Graphics so that's the most important. In my, in my experience, and, and I'm quite experienced with paper mache masks. Um, in general, I find them quite. Quite low quality. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with like a, a, a five out of ten on graphics. I mean, with with some hard work, you you might be able to up that to like a six. But I, I think five out of ten in general. Um, okay. What are my other categories? Next one is uh, sound design. Oh, sound design. Um, 
Well, this depends a lot on uh, on the durability of the mask. I mean, it can make some pretty wonderful sounds <laughs> if it gets hit with a baseball bat properly. Yeah. Especially um, if it's on somebody's face. <laughs> yeah, like... Uh, like, but, oof! Or, <laughs> <laughs> So I, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give that a, a, a solid seven out of ten. Um, I would listen to that again. Um, gameplay. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, masks are absolutely critical. Um, paper mache masks are are not uh, always the best choice. So like for an underwater game. Yeah, for, for, yeah, <laughs> when I'm underwater, I I don't uh, underwater heist. I don't I don't need that uh getting all stuck all over my face and my eyes. So <laughs> I, I dissolve dissolvable masks not a plus side there. Uh I'm I'm going to go I'm going to go with a 5 on the gameplay. And uh replayability. Oh, replayability. Um pretty disposable 1 out of 10. Okay. All right. Uh, what would you say your? What are those average out to? <laughs> you can fudge it. <laughs> Averaging out, I'm gonna say that it kind of rates low. Uh, I I don't prefer paper mache masks over the alternatives. I'm gonna say four out of ten. I don't know if any of those were under a five. <laughs> <laughs> four out of ten. Okay. Would uh, not wear. What was your What was your overall score, uh, Zach? I I don't know, like a six. Whatever. Okay. So I'm going to go uh, graphics. You know, I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. I think uh, I like the ugly aesthetic. So you get, like, if you do them well, they look good. And if you do them poorly, <laughs> they have kind of a charm to them that oh, I gotcha. find endearing. Melty charm. Yeah, you probably have, like, fingerprints <laughs> and paint on them and stuff. You know, it can, it, it, that's, it's all good fun. Just, like, horrifically uh, asymmetric. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, a lot of a lot of visual noise. You know, uh-huh. I like that. Um, you know, impressionistic take usually. <laughs> uh, gameplay, fun to build, fun to wear, fun to make a mess with. Uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna rate this one. I'm gonna give it like a nine on gameplay. I think I think they're real fun. Uh, I'm sure the last one I made was as a Cub Scout in first grade, but I remember that fondly. <laughs> Um, alright, sound design, I'm gonna, I'm gonna break away from the pack, or I guess land closer to Zach here, I'm gonna give it like a 2 out of 10, cause like, I actually really don't like the sound of the crinkling paper. Mm. <laughs> I don't find it reassuring like crinkling foil. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not a foiled mache mask, though that might be a fun twist. Um, <laughs> uh, if a bit sharp on the face. Um, but very shiny. Uh, so we did gameplay, we did sound, replayability, replayability, I'm going 10 out of 10. This, look, whenever you get tired of it, you just dunk it in some water, and then it's ready to reformulate <laughs> again. You know, it gets all soggy, it get, the glue gets wet again, so I'm assuming you're using Elmer's. Uh, <laughs> you can just paste it on your or someone else's faces and start rebuilding, or, you know, maybe turn it into a paper mache sword or something. Glue sticks, or glue sticks. I don't think that's going to stay stuck. I think that's going to be the paper mess is what that's going to be. You're just painting your face and some paper on it at that point. Uh, so I guess overall, it's probably like a 7.5 or something. All right. Very nice. And, uh, and now we've solved the paper mask mystery. Yeah. Well, cool, well, guys. Yeah, I, I hope you guys had as much fun listening to this John's cast as we do listening to this John's cast. So, <laughs> uh, like live the dream. Subscribe, rate us on iTunes. Rate us on, preferably highly. Yep. Uh, and download the episodes. That's also important. Yep. Okay. And thanks for having me, guys, and coming to uh my place. Oh yeah, yeah and uh. No problem. Uh, thanks for having us in this top secret location. Thanks. For, and uh, also, yeah. thanks thanks to all the donors um, from our last episode. Let's just say Rami's sitting a lot prettier now. Um, 
So we weren't able to buy him a BMW, but we were allowed to buy, or we were able to buy him a Hot Wheel of a BMW, and he's uh, begrudgingly kind of happy about it. I mean, that's way better situation than he was in before. Yeah. Uh, he didn't even have toys. Yeah. Except for his new PlayStation Four and Persona Five, and his giant TV. That, that's a pretty nice toy. <laughs> Well, he lives on the street. Oh. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> so he's got a Hot Wheels now. So that's basically a car. <laughs> he can sleep on it. <laughs> so is that something that's given to uh to all the guests? Uh, no, that was really kind of more of a one-time oh. thing. Uh, <laughs> but uh, next time we have a fundraiser, um, it might be for you. So, Okay. Um, I'll, I'll, t- I'll take the maybe. Yeah. 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 It's probably going to be episode or two before our next fundraiser. You don't want to, you don't want to overmilk the cows. You know what I mean? You know, you know, we try and keep those to one a month. (laughs) (laughs) Why milk the cow when you can buy the eggs for free? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, economics 101. So thanks for listening, everybody. I'm glad it's over. And thanks, thanks for to our special guest Joseph. I realize that we didn't say that, but we should. Thank you. Thanks, Joe. Bye, everybody. Bye. Do the the, the the elevator. Oh, I like that one, Zach. Thanks. The that's a bird. You know, the, like the like intermittent. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're really good. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> <laughs>